From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. And all the talk right now may be about infrastructure spending, but believe it or not, the annual appropriations process is just about to kick off for real. And so we want to sketch out for you what the game plan appears to be over these next two months uh, that will guide the annual spending bills to fund the government. And it begins as early as next week, Jen. What's the game plan? So the House is preparing to sort of approve President Joe Biden's total funding level for discretionary spending for the upcoming fiscal year. That's roughly $1.5 trillion dollars. And the House is going to approve this in something that's known as a deeming resolution. And so that will essentially allow the Appropriations Committee in the House to begin its work um, on the dozen annual appropriations bills. And that's something that we expect to begin later this month in late June as the subcommittees and committees in the House begin marking up those appropriations bills and as they are likely to go to the House floor uh, at some point in July before the House leaves for its August recess. So a deeming resolution, this is this is a sort of a, a shortcut to avoid doing a full budget resolution right now, um, but it sets the overall top line spending level of $1.5 trillion, we think, because that's what Biden had in his budget. But they're avoiding, in doing that, they're avoiding a big fight, right, which is how much of that should go to defense and how much should go to non-defense programs. Yeah. And so Democrats can only lose about four votes um, on legislation or rules that don't have Republican support in the House um, in order for that legislation to be approved by the House. And so this is one of the things that um, Democrat Democratic leadership is watching very closely on what they bring to the floor and how they bring it to the floor this Congress. Um, because as we all remember, on that House floor vote on the $1.9 billion Capitol Hill Security Supplemental, that was held open for a really long time as Democratic leaders uh, spoke with and negotiated with progressive House Democrats who were opposed to some elements of that security bill and were planning to vote against it. And really the only way that the House was able to approve that was that three of those progressive Democrats voted present as opposed to voting um, no on that Capitol Hill security supplemental. And so this is an issue that they could have run into if the deeming resolution had broken out the funding level for defense and non-defense discretionary spending that was proposed in Biden's budget request. Um, just because moderate Democrats who are at risk of losing re-election in 2022 might not have been comfortable voting for something um, that, you know, does a 1.6% increase to defense spending, which some have um, criticized as too low or not substantial enough for the types of issues that the Pentagon needs to be addressing. Um, and some progressive Democrats have said that they actually want to see the defense number cut, um, with some calling for a cut of as much as 10%. Right. And so that's the big battle here is, is Biden has set up this huge fight by trying to boost non-defense spending so much, uh, over 16% boost in a single year, and, and keep defense relatively flat. 
And Republicans say that amounts to a cut in defense if you account for inflation. So that's the big fight they've set up. And Republicans have already made very clear their anger at that and, and have insisted on this so-called parity principle that, have, that has worked in years past where they want equal increases for defense and non-defense programs. And if they don't get that, we don't know what's going to happen because there's, as you say, Democrats have such a slim margin here to work with that that emergency spending bill they did on for capital security, that was in response to the January 6th insurrection. They got that through, I think it was a one vote margin. I mean, it squeaked through. It was a real struggle just to do that. And now you've got this huge fight with a with a, a big divide among Democrats over what defense spending should be and a huge fight on the Republican side pushing for more defense. Uh, this, this is not going to be uh, an easy one. Yeah, I think ultimately when House appropriators do write their funding bills for fiscal 22, I think it's likely they're divide between defense and non-defense spending throughout several of those bills. Uh, will be pretty close, if not exactly, um, what was proposed in the Biden budget request. And so I don't see a situation where uh, House Democrats in this original batch of appropriations bills for fiscal 22 uh, sort of deviate in any way from uniformity with the Biden administration on appropriations. But what happens in the Senate is uh, really undetermined right now uh, with appropriations chairman over Pat Leahy over there calling for bipartisan bicameral negotiations uh, on a top line funding level for fiscal year 22 so that his committee can get to work. Because while the majority rules in the House, in the Senate, you typically need bipartisanship on these appropriations bills or really any must pass legislation in order to get across that 60 vote legislative filibuster threshold. And so that's something that he is calling for, but we have not seen a lot of momentum yet from congressional leaders for negotiating these top-line spending levels or getting into the weeds on how much the federal government should spend on defense uh, or domestic and foreign aid programs, uh, in part because they have a lot of other issues on their plate right now, uh, as you said, with infrastructure with trying to get some type of final agreement on that Capitol Hill security supplemental. Um, there's still negotiations going on in the background on dozens of other pieces of legislation, including police funding um, and various other you know, voting rights issues. And so where this ranks for Democratic or even Republican leaders at this point is unclear, but it doesn't seem like it's at the top of anyone's list right now. Right, certainly not, and I wouldn't expect to see any action in the Senate right now for months. Um, you know, they have till the end of September anyway, when the fiscal year ends, and and we know they're going to end up doing a stopgap continuing resolution. There's no way these bills get done on time, so they're probably looking at at addressing this really toward the end of the year. But for these next two months, we're going to see heavy action in the House because they're still planning to ram their spending bills through on party line votes. Uh, and so the House Appropriations Subcommittees start their work the last week of June, I think. It's coming up real soon. They're going to ram through these markups. The full committee will do markups in early July. And Steny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, has said he'd like to pass all 12 spending bills 
through the House in July before the August recess. So we're going to see a flurry of activity on the House side to pass a bunch of spending bills that will all be partisan and will all have to be, it, it gives them an illusion of progress, but they'll all be partisan and they'll all have to be renegotiated with the Senate. Yeah, and I am curious if Leader Hoyer is actually able to reach that goal of all dozen appropriations bills going to the House floor this year. He's set that goal for himself in House Democrats the last two years, uh, and each year they were unable to get all dozen across the House floor because of various issues in the Homeland Security funding bill, particularly trying to make sure you had moderate Democrats and progressive Democrats in agreement on funding levels and oversight language for customs and border protection and immigrations and customs enforcement. Having Biden, having a Democratic president could change some of those calculations, but with such a narrow margin among House Democrats to approve these bills, most likely without Republican or substantial Republican support in the House, I think whether or not uh, House appropriators can kind of thread that needle on Homeland Security is an open question. And then the issue that Democrats have run into the past two years on the legislative branch appropriations bill is whether or not to include or remove a longstanding provision in that bill that prevents members of Congress from getting a cost of living adjustment increase, not technically a pay raise, uh, because if members of Congress give themselves a pay raise, that cannot go into effect until the following Congress, um, but sort of a cost of living adjustment to make sure that pay for members of Congress keeps up with inflation. Uh, this has been sort of an, a, a big concern for Leader Hoyer and several other Democrats that for a, a substantial number of years, I can't remember exactly how long this provision has been in place, but member pay in Congress has stayed flat and not kept up with inflation and so they had an issue two years ago when Democrats removed that uh, language preventing a COLA increase. And then they had issues last year as well when they left in that language keeping or preventing the COLA increase. And so I'm curious to see, um, you know, exactly what levels of support they get for those bills this year and whether or not they can actually go to the House floor. Yeah. So those two bills in particular, Homeland Security and, and Legislative Branch, uh, are problematic in and of themselves. But also, we should say, Jen, I mean, this year is particularly difficult also because this is the first time in a decade that we haven't had any statutory spending caps in place. The, the deficit reduction law passed in 2011 that set a decade's worth of spending limits has now lapsed. And they've got no nothing in place to guide spending caps except for what Biden proposed in his budget, which House Democrats will try to follow for the moment. Um, but you're, you're seeing this pushback from Republicans about equal defense and non-defense at a time when they couldn't be more polarized. The, the, the atmosphere on the Hill now is so bitter, so partisan, and yet they, they're going to have to come up with some kind of spending caps agreement to let appropriations bills go forward. Um, and boy, that's going to be a, a tough one to do because there's just no cooperation right now on almost anything. Even infrastructure looks looks like a tough sell on the bipartisan talks. We'll see. Um, but certainly on this, there's there's been nothing yet. Yeah, I'm really curious how negotiations on total spending levels for discretionary spending take place this year. Because when 
members of Congress, congressional leadership, and the White House tried to negotiate spending levels under the 2011 deficit reduction law, they needed to actually pass that increase to the spending cap in a bill that got signed into law. And that doesn't actually need to happen this year. They don't, you know, the BCA is gone. That Budget Control Act is gone. And so congressional leaders in the Biden administration more or less just need to reach agreement on how much to spend on defense and non-discretionary spending uh, in a room and then kind of let their people know about those numbers. And so counting votes, at least on the top lines, before you get to the appropriations bills, isn't as big of a concern this year. Um, but possibly because that's not as big of a concern, you know, making sure you actually pass a bill into law to agree to spending levels that are not considered, you know, sort of austere by either party on various issues, you know, that could potentially take some of the momentum out of negotiations. So we've got all that. And we should also note the other issue looming for them on this is, is what to do about the debt limit because uh, the debt limit is currently suspended. So they haven't had to worry about it for a year, but that suspension expires on August 1st. Um, Time will be running out to either raise the debt limit or suspend it again. Uh, And how and when they do that is a real mystery right now. Yeah, and of course, once the debt limit expires, the Treasury Treasury Department can use something called extraordinary measures to keep paying the nation's bills every day. There wouldn't immediately be a default on the debt if there's not a new debt limit bill signed into law by August 1st. But there's a lot of uncertainty right now from members of Congress, from the Treasury Department, from people in D.C. who keep very close track of this about how long those extraordinary measures can last, given the amount of deficit spending the federal government has done in the past year or so on COVID-19 relief. And so we have not yet seen any official letter yet from Treasury Secretary Yellen saying, we believe at Treasury that Congress needs to address the debt limit before the August recess, or if she believes, and you know, the minds at Treasury that are very in the weeds on this thing believe that Treasury can use extraordinary measures and that everything will be okay until Congress can get back in late September and approve some type of debt limit extension, whether longer term or shorter term, on that continuing resolution that everyone expects to hopefully be approved by October 1st. And so that's another um, sort of moving target here in all of the issues that congressional leaders want to and need to address before leaving town for the August recess. I think some of the private forecasts have said that Congress would need to take action on the debt limit by the fall. So they may have a little more time, but that, you know, that's going to be a battle too, because Republicans are going to insist now on if any, any increase in the debt limit should come with spending curbs Uh, And that's going to be a big battle with Democrats who say they won't hold the debt limit hostage. They won't negotiate on the debt limit. It just has to be raised or suspended. So that's a huge battle. And unless they try to avoid a bipartisan agreement on it and suspend the debt limit as, as a provision that gets tucked into a reconciliation bill on infrastructure or something else and pass it on a party line vote, we don't know the game plan yet on that. Um, so it could happen as early as July if they 
if there's a reconciliation bill on infrastructure to act on and they try to tuck it in there, if they if Democrats, in fact, have the votes to do something like that, that's not clear either. All it would take in the Senate is one Democrat to object to that and, and they can't do it. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of calculations being made on the debt limit um, and whether or not to tie debt limit negotiations to spending cap negotiations. This is something that congressional leaders and the Trump administration did two years ago when they uh, approved that two-year debt limit suspension and approved two years of discretionary spending caps in the same package. Um, and so that's something that does, there is a little bit of precedent for tying those two negotiations together. Um, but of course, previously under the 2011 deficit reduction law, you actually had to put those spending cap or those spending levels into a bill that got approved and they don't need to do that anymore. So some of those calculations may be different this time around. Okay. But the bottom line is we're in for a flurry of activity in the house as they try to ram through as many as 12 spending bills for the coming fiscal year in the next two months. We'll see how far they get. There'll be partisan bills, but we'll see how far they get. Uh, and CQ and Roll Call will be covering all that for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 